following is a paid program on 630 WLAP. This is the Tom Dupree Show on News Radio 630 WLAP and WLAP.com. Welcome to the camp. I guess you all know why we're here. My name is Tommy, and I became aware this year. If you want to follow me, you've got to play pinball. And put in your earplugs, put on your eye shades, you know where to put the cork. Welcome back to the Tom Dupree Show. Ah, old Three Dog Night. How'd you know about that one, Curtis? My dad. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Love to have my fun. The straight shooting son of a gun. <laughs> that's good <clears throat> wow we had a crazy year in the markets it it looks like it's about over with i don't know what's going to happen on monday but uh dow industrials leap more than a thousand points just this week you know uh what 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 about that? Yeah, so um, Christmas Eve. Oh, by the way, this is Mike Johnson sitting here with. Good me. morning. Um, this week, so it's 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 <clears throat> funny. You look back this year and last year. You know the the headlines. You know they love to put best, worst. You know whatever they like to categorize things. Superlatives. Uh, yeah, and the January was the best January, you know, since like the 30s or 20s. Um, and then Monday was the worst Christmas Eve ever. And then on Wednesday, you had, you know, uh, just a huge rally, you know, the biggest mm. point gain. Now, it wasn't the biggest percentage gain, I don't believe, but it was the biggest point gain, over a 1,000 points. So, uh, and and then if you back up a little further, I think it was uh, January of sixteen, uh, or it might have been seventeen, was the worst January you know since like nineteen thirty. So uh, there's always th these headlines. Seven, yeah, uh, I think it might have been seventeen. That was, and then and then seventeen turned around, right. and it was a fantastic year in the market. Right. Um, but 
you know, you're you're always going to have these headlines, uh, and you just you have to sometimes kind of step back and get your get your footing and see what's really going on. And uh, you know, the volatility in December, you know, has been you know extremely high in the market. Um, but if you compare that to even like during the financial crisis, you know, I think the average. Uh, point uh, move, uh, percentage move, has been about 1.2% uh, in December, which is higher than it had been. I mean, 17 was, you know, except for January, it was just a very, uh, no volatility. Right. Um, straight up. Just straight up. And now you're starting to see that volatility come back in the market. So you're having an average of 1.2% point swings on a daily basis. Well, back during the financial crisis, you're looking at four percent right. on average, right? And so, I mean, you're you, we've seen this kind of volatility before, you know, even uh, on a much larger scale. Um, but if you if you again you step back and you look at what's going on, there there are the two big fears uh, since September have been trade with China and interest rates, mm-hmm. um, and and a fear of a slowing global economy. Right. Well, and you know, you, you, the, the economy is slowing, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we're having, that it's slow, that it's slow. Yeah, Uh, exactly. Um, so you, you look at like, uh, the consumer, the consumer is very strong right now. Uh, you look at the, the retail sales for Christmas, um, very strong. Um, and so the the consumer is still driving uh, at least the U.S. economy. Uh, so you're not really seeing the the signs that you're that a, that a recession is imminent. Uh, but right. the market's pricing in um, uh, a lot of trouble uh, going forward. Um, but for us, you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing because now you're looking at a, a, a multiple on the market of about 14, where a few months ago it was about 20. Right. Oh, actually, I think it was in, in, in January, uh, the multiple is about 20. So, so you're seeing more reasonable valuations. Some things you could call cheap. Um, some things are just, you know, fair value, really. Right. says... This is from the Financial Times. The buzzword at the start of the year was melt-up as U.S. stocks raced almost 3% higher in the first work week of January. Jer- Jeremy Grantham, the founder of asset manager GMO, who predicted the dot-com and housing bubbles, warned that the almost euphoric rally was the harbinger of bad news. But with investors still basking in the effect of the U.S tax cut on corporate profits, not many were listening, as January became one of the best months for global equity since the financial crisis. But over the next few weeks, much of January's rally unraveled as investors had their first taste that 2018 would be more more volatile than 2017. As would be the case later in the year, the bond market inflicted the initial damage on equities. A steep rise in average U.S. earnings in January raised the fear of inflation, sending bond yields sharply higher. But the decline in stocks turned out violent as inverse volatility funds or those linked to the VIX volatility 
index that traders used to bet on markets remain tranquil buckled. Their comp collapse on February 5th rippled through the U.S. stock market as banks and other traders rushed to hedge their own positions. It resulted in one of the swiftest 10% corrections in history. Uh, and then as the VIX Magadan settled, investors were confronted by a threat to the handful of tech behemoths known as the FANGs, which in recent years powered U.S. stocks higher. So there you have it. Yeah, that's <clears throat> that's what uh, drove it down the first drop the first leg down uh, in February, uh, you had this volatility uh, and a lot of these uh, derivatives that uh, were based on volatility being non-existent, they got creamed. And then that trickled through, and that was the first leg down. And then you had a rally back up, and then in uh, September or early October, um, that's when you started having the the – interest rates and the <clears throat> fears of fed what the fed was going to do right. that's what that was the last leg down berkshire itself this is from berkshire hathaway provides some viv vivid examples of how price randomness in the short term can obscure long-term term growth and value for the last 53 years the company has built value by reinvesting its earnings and letting compound interest work its magic Year by year, we have moved forward, yet Berkshire shares have suffered four truly major dips. Here are the gory details. <clears throat> March 1973 to January of 75, the high was $93, the low was 38 It, it dropped as much as 59%. Uh, from October of 87 through October 27th of 87 from the 2nd of October through the 27th, it dropped 31%. That's all in one month. Yeah. In October of 87, uh, June 19th, uh, of, of eight of, let's see, uh, 98 through March 10th of 2000, 48.9% decrease. And uh, from uh, September 19th of 08 through September through March 5th of 09, it dropped 50.7%. This table offers, as Warren Buffett says, the strongest argument I can muster against ever using borrowed money to own stocks. There is simply no telling how far stocks can fall in a short period. Even if your borrowings are small and your positions aren't immediately threatened by the plunging market, your mind will will become rattled by scary headlines and breathless commentary, and an unsettled mind will not make good decisions. This is Warren Buffett talking about borrowing money. That that was the uh, from the 2017 uh, annual letter to shareholders and. He's as as you just said he's he's making the point that the markets in the short run can be very inefficient um, and you, you step back and you look again taking perspective on things um, Berkshire Hathaway which has been you know a phenomenal investment over the long term you know you you even have short bouts of volatility like those four right. instances that you're just just mentioning um, and 
you you always have to fall back uh, on your research and look and see okay is this going to be a good investment over the long run um, yeah. and I mean those were all incredible buying opportunities of Berkshire stock now we don't own Berkshire it's it's a great company but it doesn't pay a dividend but he invests in companies and owns companies that pay dividends and he reinvests the dividend back into more back into more um, but the the his whole point of this is to to have conviction and not let the market dictate uh, your investment uh, approach or your thesis because he he, he uh, I think later on in there he says the market can go from green to red lights and it go, and it bypasses yellow and yeah. it just just real fast it can change uh, you know, the pricing. Um, but it's it's emotion driven a lot of the time, and, and sometimes, like he says, with borrowed money, sometimes investors have to sell because of margin call. All these different things. You have all these factors going into the market and the pricing of a security on any given day. So you always have to know why you own something and and be able to hold in times unless there's a problem. Yeah. If there's a problem, that's a different different situation, but. It just because there's volatility, that's selling into volatility is the worst possible right. thing you can do. Stay with us. You're listening to the Tom Dupree Show. It's News Radio 630 WLAP. Judge Kavanaugh. I am innocent. Hurricane Florence. Hurricane Michael. September. Time is running out. 2018. Bill Cosby's headed off to prison. Tariffs on Chinese imports. 2019. Time happens here. Burt Reynolds. News Radio 630 WLAP. At Dupree Financial Group, we do not earn commissions on your hard-earned retirement dollars. We don't sell you investment products that are difficult to understand. We do research on every security we recommend to you and follow them closely. We meet with you every six months to go over your investment performance. We don't hide from you. We communicate with you regularly about the status of your investments with us. We want you to be informed, comfortable, and happy. If all this sounds too good to be true, give us a try. Call us at 859-233-0400, and we'll set up a no-cost, no-obligation review of your retirement investment portfolio. You may be pleasantly surprised to find out what sort of services are available to you, the retirement investor. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400 and DupreeFinancial.com. 630 WLAP. Wash away my troubles, wash away my pain, with the rain and Shambhala. Wash away my sorrow, wash away my shame, with the rain and Shambhala. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, Back on the Tom Dupree Show, Mike Johnson sitting in with me today. Here's an article, an optimist take on this bumpy stock market. Cheer up, things aren't that bad. This is from Darren Fonda writing in uh, Barron's. It may be hard to accept that advice given the market's volatility. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is following up a 1,086-point gain with another triple-digit loss. 
the S&P 500's average daily trading range has ticked up to 1.2%. That's way below the 4.4% average swings during the global financial crisis. But at these levels, we're going through the jumpiest stock market since early 2012, according to the Bespoke Investment Group. One big positive is the U.S. market now looks quite cheap. It's priced at 14 times earnings, down from nearly 20 times in January. Going back to the 1960s, contractions and P.E. ratios of this magnitude have been followed by market gains of 27% the following year. Darda notes that there is no smoking gun from uh, key recession indicators. While the yield curve is flattened, it hasn't inverted, an almost sure sign of a recession. Inflation-adjusted M1 money supply remains, remains positive. If the Fed pauses in raising rates, the yield curve and money supply aren't likely to turn negative. So what do you make of all this? Well, it's uh, it's almost a contrarian view because uh, there's, there's not much in the way of <clears> – <throat> positive uh views on the market right now and um that that to me that's almost a good sign uh because you know typically when you start seeing every every piece of news is bad that's when you start seeing some opportunities um but you know right. you, you have had multiples uh you know the the, the pe uh starting to look more attractive at these levels um there was a lady on um, Squawk Box uh, yesterday, and she was kind of making this same point, uh, and she was talking about uh, deflation uh, and and good deflation, right? Uh, technological innovation where you're seeing more productivity with the same level of input, and you could see the Fed, you know, not raising rates because, you know, you actually start having more deflation because of technology. Right. Um, so you're, 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 you don't know, we don't invest based on, you know, assuming we know what the Fed's going to do or assuming we know what yields are going to do. Um, but you look at companies that, you know, they, they, they utilize this new technology, uh, whatever it may be, and they can become more profitable because productivity goes up uh, and consumers are able to continue buying because you look at the unemployment numbers, wages, you're starting to see you know, growth in wages. Um, so there are things that are positive uh, in the economy. Um, but the, the market freakout has been just tied to interest rates primarily and um, China. Yeah. You had a article on Blackstone that yeah um it was in Barron's and uh it's uh, Schwartzman uh the CEO um he he talks about different things that Blackstone uh opportunities uh that that they're seeing um it's a fascinating article um it's a company we're very familiar with we've we've been to visit them um once or twice now talked to them a couple times <clears throat> in addition to that, but they're a private equity company. Yeah. Um, they manage about, you know, $450 billion. Um, and th they have a diversified portfolio, everything from real estate to infrastructure, uh, hedge funds, all these different things. And some of the questions that he's asked, um, 
when you look at one of them in particular, I found I found pretty interesting. When you look at a, a typical mutual fund, for example, you have a mutual fund, the the manager of the fund, and they have a certain investment style or thesis, the way that they invest the the fund's money. As the fund becomes more successful and gets more money right. in it, they can't adhere many times to the same standards That's right. uh, to invest. <clears throat> and that was one of the questions they asked. As Blackstone continues to grow, how do they continue to find opportunities? And uh, his answer I love, he said, the DNA of Blackstone is innovation. Mm-hmm. And they're always looking for ways to innovate. And now they have where they're so big that they have all this data that they collect. That gives them an edge on all the other or over all of the other private equity companies because you know they have one example he gives is real estate that they have globally. Well, they collect data on every bit of this real estate. They know what the occupancy is, the uh, the lease rate, all this stuff. They have all this data. And then they have pri- uh, uh, um, uh, hedge funds or private equity funds around the, the same area. And they're not correlated with each other. So they can get data from the private equity business. They can get data from the real estate. And that, that gives them uh, kind of a a preview of what's maybe to come that they get the data before anybody else because they don't have to go out and do the research. They're getting it real time in house. Yeah. So, you know, it talks about how do you keep size from working against you as you grow larger and put more money to work? Size would not work for you if you kept putting your money into the same strategy. Inevitably your returns would go down. That happens with liquid securities managers. What we do is cut off a strategy at a particular size, then come up with, well, we need to go for a break here. We'll, we'll, pull, we'll pull into this when we come back. You're listening to the Tom Dupree Show. It's News Radio 630 WLAP. Hey, it's Matt Jones for Universal Windows Direct. Have you been cold in your own home? Call my guys at Universal Windows Direct. Universal Windows have incredible technology developed by NASA called SuperSpacer. It makes the windows last up to five times longer than other window systems. Call my guys at Universal Windows Direct now. Because for every window you buy, you'll get the next one free. Some restrictions apply, but you can call Universal Windows Direct. 859-300-8600. Like me, you'll be saying... I love my window. Changes are coming to Kentucky driver's licenses, permits, and personal IDs in early 2019 to enhance security and keep travelers on the move. Cards will arrive in the mail after applying at your local circuit court clerk's office, have a doubled lifespan of eight years, and feature new pricing. All cards will be available in a new voluntary travel ID version, accepted to board U.S. flights and access military bases once federal enforcement begins October 2020. Visit drive.ky.gov to learn more. It's the biggest music festival of the year, and it's coming to the CW. The iHeartRadio Music Festival. Don't miss the iconic performances. Justin Timberlake. Mariah Carey. We've got Fleetwood Mac here. You've been incredible, and I've been Jack White. Powerful moments. Tonight, we are all proud to be Vegas Strong. Love this city. Love everything it stands for. Plus, some special surprises you are not going to want to miss. Watch our must-see iHeartRadio Music Festival tomorrow night and Monday night at 8 on The CW. 
debate in Washington continues and the president's acting chief of staff ordering a pessimistic view on the prospects of reopening the government soon. President Trump now threatening to shut the border with Mexico if Democrats don't agree to $2 billion in funding to build the border wall. ABC's Mark Remillard with more. Democrats have offered money for border security but say they will not fund a border wall. Acting Mark Remillard, ABC News. Acting Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney blaming Nancy Pelosi for what he says is a breakdown of discussions. In California, grieving relatives weeping at a vigil held to honor slain police officer Roniel Singh yesterday. Authorities say he was killed on Christmas by a man who was in the U.S. illegally. Police making the arrest of Gustavo Perez Arriaga at a home in Bakersfield. Friday night, the officer's death sparking the debate on immigration and border security. Sears chairman Eddie Lampert's hedge fund said it submitted a last-minute bid Friday valued at $4.4 billion to keep the retailer from being liquidated. Michelle France and ABC News. Overall, a nice-looking Saturday in store for the Bluegrass region. We'll see a mix of sunny clouds, temperatures this afternoon, upper 30s to low 40s. That's a seasonal brand of chill. Clouds will thicken up on Sunday, and here we go again. Rain, heavy at times, some thunder and lightning and 40 to 50-mile-an-hour wind gusts coming up Sunday night into Monday. That's the final day of the year. We may pick up one to three inches of rain and local high water to finish the wettest year on record. I'm WKYT Chief. Meteorologist Chris Bailey on your official weather station, News Radio 630 WLAP. Broadcasting live 24 7 from the heart of Big Blue Nation, this is News Radio 630 WLAP, an iHeart Radio station. I'm a little bit holy water. Dirk Bentley. Burning Man Tour 2019, February 21st, Rupp Arena. And he's bringing along special guests John Party. Tennille Towns and Hot Country Nights. Dirks Bentley, live in concert. Tickets on sale now at LiveNation.com. The unemployment rate is at a 48-year low. Most people that want to work are working. If you're trying to fill open positions at your business, you'll have to find your next candidate from the currently employed. iHeartMedia can help you spread the word to 92% of the U.S. population. That's right, 92%. Use this radio station to find your next employee driving to or sitting at their current job. You'll have your pick of the most qualified candidates for any position you have available. We can help. Go to iHeartWorks.com. That's iHeartWorks.com. 34 million Americans smoke. That's about one in seven people. Not every smoker wants to continue using cigarettes. Juul was designed by smokers for smokers to be a satisfying alternative to cigarettes. Juul is a vapor product that contains nicotine for a satisfying transition. If you're one of the 34 million adults who smoke, know that there is an alternative to cigarettes. Make the switch at Juul.com. That's J-U-U-L.com. Warning. This product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. 630 WLAP. Want some whiskey in your water? Sugar in your tea? What's all these crazy questions the heads can be? This is the craziest party that could ever be. Don't turn on the lights because I don't want to see. Mama told me not to come. Mama told me not to come. Smell a stale perfume And that cigarette you're smoking Let's give you 
Back on the Tom Dupree Show. So, a big part of what we were just talking about Blackstone uh, and the company symbol BX is a large uh, manager of other people's money through various different vehicles, uh, hedge funds, private equity funds, things of that nature. They also manage leverage loans. So they went through the global financial crisis and had almost no losses in leverage loans. According to this article in Barron's, you wouldn't think people would be overreacting in a time period like the current one where global growth is expected to be 3.5%. Nevertheless, there's a liquidity imbalance. Investors want liquidity from mutual funds that own these loans, forcing managers to sell. If there's no one to buy, then even those securities, for technical reasons, will gap. And indeed, that's what occurred on uh, Thursday uh, of a week or so ago. Some closed-in funds traded down as much as 15% before pulling out of a freefall that some seasoned pros likened to their collapse during the great financial crisis following the bankruptcy of Lehman Brothers. Back then, that turned out to be a marvelous buying opportunity, at least for those who who heeded Kipling's admonition to keep your head while all about you are losing theirs. In a small market for closed-in funds, some pros feared history was repeating itself on Thursday. So what about all that? So the... A closed-in fund, um, it's it's it trades intraday like an exchange-traded fund. Uh, it's not like a regular mutual fund, an open-ended mutual fund that settles at the end of the day. A closed-in fund, they issue it. There's a certain amount of shares uh, issued on a closed-in fund, and it owns a basket of securities. Uh, a lot of the closed-in funds will have uh, junk bonds because they're they're a lot of them are marketed as high income. So you might have a closed in fund that owns junk bonds, high yield bonds, um, and then a lot of times they'll also have borrowed money. So they're buying these uh, high yield bonds with borrowed money inside of the fund. So you have leverage kind of on top of leverage. Um, what happened on last Thursday is the market just became dislocated because uh, these funds have a, a net asset value to them and that's that's a stated value of the underlying securities and you had these things that were trading during the day and a lot some of them traded for deep discounts to what their stated NAV was uh, that can be for a number of different reasons um, but there, you know, he, the the writer says that uh, you know back during the financial crisis it was a good opportunity to buy. That's true, but you have to be very very careful right. with closed end funds because they because of that leverage that they have. We saw clo- some closed end funds actually go under uh, during the financial crisis because <clears throat> that that NAV, the net asset value, that may or may not be realized. That's the value of the holdings, but if there's a margin call 
because basically if the value of the securities drops to a level where the fund now has no, no longer enough uh, margin between the loan balance and the value of the securities. Right. Uh, they have to basically raise money to meet that margin call. If they can't, then they have to liquidate the fund. And in, in many instances during the financial crisis, these funds had to liquidate at the worst possible time and net asset value was never realized. Um, and so you, an investor has to be very, very careful of buying something just because it's dropped in value. You have to understand the mechanics of whatever the investment is, be it a closed-in fund or an individual security. Because let's say the fund liquidates itself at, at a, a distressed time in the market, you're probably going to get you know, a fraction of what the actual value would be. Uh, whereas if you owned the individual securities that they have, if it's a, a high-yield bond fund, if you actually owned those bonds and the bonds didn't default and you held on to them, well, you're going to get par at yeah, maturity. That's right. Um, but because it's inside of this this product, this fund, you could get pennies on the dollar. But – Blackstone talks about how they were not under those kind of constraints to sell, so they've been able to actually hold on to their leveraged loans right. and do well. Because they, they have a lockup period on their private equity or hedge funds, right. and, and that's, that's the type of vehicle that you need for illiquid securities. You need to have a lockup period so that you're not forced, as the manager, to sell them. Uh, so when you try to take a, an illiquid security and make it liquid, that's when you're asking for serious problems. Uh, but w with uh, Blackstone, they're able to buy these things and during periods of distress, probably add more to the fund. So they're, they might be the buyers of, of one of these funds that are having to liquidate. Right. Um, and so they're, they're in a, a good position to exploit those kind of inefficiencies. The they ask him, uh, are you thinking of are you rethinking taking investment money from Saudi Arabia given its involvement in the murder of uh, journalist Khashoggi? We deal with the government, and we've been doing that for decades. Our approach is to maintain consistent relationships. Um, then they they ask him about uh, what has changed during your time at Blackstone. There's much more of a regulatory environment than there was in 1985. The infrastructure for doing deals is much more developed. There are many, many more investors in alternative assets. When we started, alternative assets were probably only 3 to 4% of institutional holdings. Uh, and they've grown to 20 or 25%. We've gone from just private equity to real estate, credit funds, hedge funds, and more. Each And, and Blackstone manages stuff in every one of those areas that's symbol bx blackstone each uh, to be to be uh fully transparent we do own blackstone in uh many of our clients accounts at dupree financial group as a registered investment advisor each asset class is now global the sophistication of what we do after we buy an asset is different and improved alternatives have become much more professional with better risks 
an assessment, and the Internet has enabled better research. But despite all the transparency, the returns in these asset classes have remained pretty much the same over 33 years, which is itself remarkable. That right there is pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah, you, you've, <clears throat> you've had all this uh, information that is dispersed almost real time in these in these different areas but the returns have stayed almost the same as, as he says um it's because everybody's that, still trading on the same playing field you know everybody's got computers now and exactly and uh same playing field. knows what stuff is worth and and, and, it, and it still always comes back to uh, uh just human behavior yeah uh you, you can't <laughs> that's never gonna change no matter how quickly the, the information's dispersed or whatever, you know, you're always going to have human behavior uh, kind of trends back to the same. It says Blackstone trades at a modest valuation. Why not repurchase stock more aggressively? The reason we haven't historically is that when we go into new investments, our returns are often terrific. So we've tried to always have a lot of money around to either buy in at the right time or in the cycle or help start a new initiative. That has served us well. Uh, the firm has grown enormously, remained under control, and delivered great returns. But now we have a share repurchase program, and the shares look less expensive. Buying becomes more interesting. So then he finally goes on to say one thing about finance. It never stays the same. That's why he keeps working and, and stays uh involved and i mean we've we can speak to that i mean we've uh I mean, you've you've been in the business for 40 years 40 years 40 years and you know things as much as they stay the same they change yeah um you know you you, you can't be on autopilot in our business <clears throat> you no. always have to to go back and test your thesis constantly challenge you know beliefs that have been held for a long time and it's it's um it's challenging yeah it is okay um computerized trading this is the kind of the opposite of what we do and we're, we're going to get into this when we uh come back from the break let's go ahead and take the break now it's the tom dupree show news radio 630 wlap 2018. Confirmed. Kavanaugh. Pocahontas. Jewish synagogue. Mass murder. 2019. These pipe bombs happens here. Jamal Khashoggi. U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement. News Radio 630 WLAP. At Dupree Financial Group, we do not earn commissions on your hard-earned retirement dollars. We don't sell you investment products that are difficult to understand. We do research on every security we recommend to you and follow them closely. We meet with you every six months to go over your investment performance. We don't hide from you. We communicate with you regularly about the status of your investments with us. We want you to be informed, comfortable, and happy. If all this sounds too good to be true, give us a try. Call us at 859-233-0400, and we'll set up a no-cost, no-obligation review of your retirement investment portfolio. You may be pleasantly surprised to find out what sort of services are available to you, the retirement investor. 
That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400 and DupreeFinancial.com. 630 So back on the Tom Dupree show news radio, six thirty WLAP Mike Johnson sitting in with Tom Dupree today beyond behind the market swoon, the herd like behavior of computerized trading. And this thing is on one hand, I like it because it provides liquidity to the market. On another hand, I hate it because it drives the market in ways that uh, aren't rational at times. Yeah, absolutely. Behind the broad, swift market slide of 2018 is an underlying new reality. Roughly 85% of all trading is on autopilot, controlled by machines, models, or passive investing formulas, cre creating an unprecedented trading herd that moves in unison and is blazingly fast. Since peaking in late September, the S&P 5 index of U.S. stocks has fallen 19.8%. This is as of Christmas Day, and, yep. and so it's up some from there. The S&P is down 15% in December alone. It isn't just stocks. Crude oil stood above $75 a barrel in October. By Christmas Eve, it was 43 Monday was the worst Christmas Eve for the Dow Jones Industrial Average in its history. To many investors, the sharp declines are symptoms of the modern market sensitivities. Today, quantitative hedge funds are those who rely on computer models rather than research and intuition account for 28.7% of trading in the stock market, according to data from Tab Group a share that's more than doubled since 2013. They now trade more than retail investors and everyone else. Add to that passive funds, index investors, high-frequency traders, market makers, and others who aren't buying because they have a fundamental view of the company's prospects, and you get around 85% of trading volume, according to Mark Kalankovic, Kulin Kulinovic of uh, J.P. Morgan. Electronic traders are wreaking havoc in the market, says Leon Cooperman, the billionaire stock picker who founded hedge fund Omega Advisors. Behind, behind the models employed by quants are algorithms or investment recipes that automatically buy and sell based on preset inputs. Lately, they're dumping stocks, investors says. Michael Hintze, chief executive officer of $18.1 London based CQS LLP, which manages two big hedge funds, says that the market's new structure featuring less trading by investment banks and more by algorithmic models has reduced the ease with which investors can get in and out of markets. As a result, normal year-end nervousness has been amplified and selling in that past would have measured and researched in measured losses leading to steep drops. So that's almost saying that 
these things have increased liquidity instead of, and made it too easy to get in and out. Yeah, they they have increased liquidity, um, but by their nature, a lot of these uh, algorithms or, or quants, they're they're driven by momentum. <clears throat> so if you have uh, a day of selling, that begets more selling. Yeah, uh, and so you you get these. It it adds liquidity, but it also adds the volatility, right? Because um, you get this this herd action, herd mentality, um, where you have it, the a, a certain stock might break through a price, and then you get these automatic sells that yeah. continue to go. Um, and you look at the volatility we've had recently, and this is this definitely contributes to that. Um, and that's why it's so important to do the research and, and know what you own because you don't want something like this dictating your uh, investment approach. Right. Um, because you're just going to be whipsawed back and forth, you know, on buys and buying and selling. Um, and we've, you know, we've added selectively uh, this year to some new positions, existing positions that we think will do well. In the long run, um, we know that we're going to continue to have volatility in the portfolio. But when we're buying a company uh, for our client's portfolio, hopefully we have growth. Everybody's happy with growth. But most importantly, we're getting the dividend. Mm -hmm. And even during periods of volatility like this, especially if somebody's taking income, they're taking that from the dividends. You know, you, you, you do not want to be forced to sell in a period of volatility because you might be selling at the worst possible time. You're, right. you're, you're doing away with the possibility of recouping uh, a, a drop in the market. Um, so when we're buying something, first and foremost, we're buying it for the income stream and then hopefully price appreciation in the long term, long right. run. The bouts of automatic selling have landed the market in a market ill-prepared for it. One measure of this liquidity is the ease with which buyers can find assets to buy and sellers can find people to take assets off their hands. When liquidity declines, prospective buyers have to offer more or prospective sellers have to accept less. That makes swoons and, swoons and market prices bigger. It works both the way up on the on the way down. Signs of diminishing liquidity can be found all across the markets. So, um, Boaz Weinstein, founder of credit hedge fund Saba Capital Management, says the market has been underpricing uncertainty. Mr. Weinstein says there are dangers building in the junk bond market. One worry, he says, is that so many junk bonds, he estimates 40% are held by mutual funds or exchange-traded funds that allow their investors to sell any day they like, even though bonds inside the funds are hard to sell. When such investors want to cash out, such a fund has to start selling bonds. But without much liquidity, finding buyers can be hard. A sell-off can start simply, he says. It has its own gravity. So... All asset classes have been affected by this, right? Especially the more illiquid ones. I mean, you, you, all asset classes are, but I mean, you look at like a, an Apple stock. Uh, you know, so much volume, um, it does affect the price, uh, but more dramatically, it's something that's uh, a small company or or a high yield bond, something like that. 
where if you have all these algorithms that are selling at the same time, well, it, there's an imbalance there. You don't have the buyers on the other side. Um, and so you get this big price discrepancy. How much money will you probably spend in retirement? Probably a lot more than you think. It's the question that plagues pretty much everybody as they look ahead. How much money will I need in retirement? Most likely more than you think. <clears throat> try your, try your, stop for a minute and think to yourself what your percentage might be. Clearly, it's a daunting tra task to transform all these hard-to-predict inputs into a single percentage, and that would be the amount of money percent mo that you'd need on your investments. But this is something that we do. This is right in our wheelhouse. Absolutely. Um, most people, they you know, rule of thumb is they think, oh, I need 75% of my income uh, in retirement. Well, this study that they conducted, you know, it broke it down specifically what uh, participants wanted to do during retirement, and then they put a, a cost associated with each one of those things, and it turned out that it was closer to 130% on average. Uh, but it, it depends on everybody's different. You know, some people, they might want to travel a lot. Some people would want to stay home. You know, everybody's different. Um, and y you have to be very careful of applying rules of thumbs to retirement. Um, <clears throat> rules of thumbs or would it be rules of thumb? Thumbs if you have two of them. <laughs> um, but retirement is, I mean, this is what we deal with on a daily basis. Um, and everybody, like I said, everybody's different, but what we're trying to do is give our clients an honest assessment of a is retirement even, uh, a possibility you ought to do, you ought to do, you know, sometimes we'll tell people, you know, if they need to work part-time or do something to supplement that income. Um, but it, the main thing we want to produce from whatever savings someone has, produce an income stream that at the right. very least will supplement social security, pensions, part-time work, um, so that you, you have more flexibility in retirement. Yeah. Um, some, some people, you know, based on what they're wanting to do in retirement, they, they don't have to get a part-time job. You know, they can take the income from their savings and that's all that they need. But the main thing we're trying to do is not deplete the principal, produce an income stream, and let the client have the principal intact that they can pass on to heirs or whatever the situation may be. Um, that's what we're trying to do for our clients. So if you'd like to talk to us about that, you can call us at 859-233-0400 or look at our website, DupreeFinancial.com. We appreciate you listening today. You've been listening to the Tom Dupree Show with Mike Johnson. Go Cats. Have a happy new year. News Radio 630 WLAP.